Welcome to the 10th ever episode of the Mike O'Reilly Show. News and reporting and getting the facts. We got some bad news today because we're unable to secure a sponsor for today's episode thanks to the following companies rejecting our generous offer. GrammarSchoolHacks.com, China Construction Bank, EdibleShoes.com, Dirty Rotten Flowers, Cheese Sculptors, A Cheese by Barb Company, Immortum, Posthumous Memory Delivery, and The Memory Wagon. All rejected our sponsorship. Please help us secure sponsors so our important reporting mission can continue thanks to your help. Please donate anything. Go to donation.tv forward slash Mike. That's donation.tv forward slash Mike. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. All right, we are very excited to have on today's show. This is the Mike O'Reilly Show. You're listening to Mike O'Reilly. And today we have a really special guest. I recently got my hair cut at a local a hair salon with some really fascinating characters. And I thought, you know what this show really needs? We need to interview local talent. Introducing today's very own local hair salon owner of Frank's Hair, Introducing Frank. Frank, you there? Hello? Frank, what's up, dude? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. This is really exciting. I've never been asked to be interviewed before. I'm really excited to have you on the show, especially because, t- you know, last week when I found your um, hair salon from a Google ad, when I typed in how to shave my head, I just wanted to shave my head. And then there I see this really beautiful ad of a beautiful man. And then I was like, you know what? I should really have this guy... Um, see what see what he can do with my head and hair, and then I was like, okay, this is happening. And I was just so impressed by your store and just all the guests that you have. Tell me a little bit about how you started Frank's hair. Well, sure, yeah, I, I uh, I've always been a fan of hair. I want to say that that uh, when I was a little little boy, I used to my mom had a bunch of wigs because she had alopecia. You know, the way you don't grow any hair. And so she had all these wigs, and I was obsessed with her wigs. And I'd go into her closet, you know, in the middle of the night, and I'd steal, you know, six or seven wigs, and I'd take them back to my room. So I'd have a wig for every day of the week. Eventually, she'd find out she got mad, all this sort of stuff. But that's what, you know, it, it ignited my passion for hair at the time. It's kind of ironic that this hair replacement replaced me to be in the place of hair. So, you know, I, that's when I started Frank's hair. I was, I didn't have a store. I didn't have a license. I didn't have a middle school graduation certificate, but I had the passion for hair and I started cutting people's hair. I love that story. It's so invigorating. And one of the things that I loved about being in your store was the amount of passion that you guys have for hair. And one of the big problems that a lot of people, especially hair salon owners, are noticing is that, you know, the local shop is just going out of business. We're really being replaced by smart hair. And have you seen that affect your business? Well, uh, no, uh, not exactly. I, I don't know what smart hair is. Uh, we, we, just, we just cut hair. I, uh, I started as kind of a lone wolf, and uh, now I've got this whole team. I call them the, you know, the pack, the hair pack. And me and the hair pack, uh, we have customers who come in, and uh, like you say, we're very passionate about hair, so there's a lot of shouting, and there's a lot of people really bring their A-game. Uh, it's like an alpha kind of haircut experience, 
And I find that actually these days that's resonating even more than in the past. So no, I don't know what smart hair is. Uh, we have passion hair. That's what we have. And people come and they love it. They love the experience. You can see in their eyes that, you know, they just don't want to move or leave or anything. They're just very, you know, got these sharp things near their heads. They trust us implicitly. It's great. Really interesting. So I'll tell you what, some of my connections in Silicon Valley and in China and definitely some remote parts of Russia are talking to me about this chip that they're installing in people where it notifies you on your phone when it's time to get a haircut and what the best kind of cut for you is. And based on that chip, which was put inside of my body, uh, I was notified on my phone that I should shave my head. So I was like, okay. So then, you know, looked it up and then boom, I found your place. Right. Tell me how you feel about the moving trend towards smart hair. Uh, and, you know, we're not a part of any kind of system uh, for smart hair. It's interesting what you're talking about. It. I've never heard anybody say anything about it before. I just remember you came in uh, to, our, to our hair store and you said, I need to shave my head. My phone is telling me to shave my head. I know I had the girl come, uh, you know, Sally, she's new, she's from Britain. Uh, I think it's she ran into Brexit problems or something, I don't know exactly, but she came through, she doesn't have a visa or working papers or anything, but I only pay her like four bucks an hour, so it works out. And uh, she had to take you aside and calm you down. I know that you were, you know, you were threatening people with your phone, you were saying it's in me, there's a chip in me and I have to shave my head. Um, but once we gave you a coffee and you kind of calmed down a little bit and give you a little, uh, you know, a little schnapps, uh, then I, this is what I remember is we actually didn't do the shaved head. We took you to the to our fire chair. Didn't you get you got the fire treatment? I think that we had Rose. We had Rose give you the fire treatment. I think. Yeah, I, I sort of don't fully remember the entire experience. Well, you were really, you, Mike. You were really worked up. So uh, okay, so we gave you the schnapps and it really wasn't working. And we gave you the second cup of schnapps that also uh, had a roofie in it, which is just some, something we do because people get a little, especially if they're getting a the fire treatment, it can get, people get a little uh, nervous and we need people to sit perfectly still for the fire treatment. Uh, we, we really learned that the hard way, the first two stores, first two locations. Yeah, I was having a really rough day um, given the amount of pressure that I have running the media enterprise that I run at O'Reilly Studios. Um, you know, listen, the life of a reporter is a life of stress, anxiety, pressure, intensity, and you're, I'm always dealing with the negative comments, the trolls, and especially my fans, which is a full-time job to manage because people are just huge fans of the show. And then once I realized, oh my God, I need to also get a haircut today, it just threw me off. So you can remember, as you can imagine remembering, that by the time I entered your store, I was a little bit, I guess the word is electrified. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, borderline schizophrenic break maybe might be how I'd <laughs> characterize it. But you, know, you were that actually puts uh, some puzzle pieces together for me because you were shouting the trolls, the trolls, the trolls. And I thought maybe you were hallucinating, but maybe you were talking about nasty people online. Now it, all, it starts to make a little bit more sense now. Yeah, and I'll, listen, I'll, t I'll, I'll be completely straight with you, Frank. Um, we here at the show are all about reporting the facts and breaking the news. And one of the big facts that I noticed about your salon 
was how... So, well, uh, sorry, it's a hair store. We like to call it a hair store. So you don't call it a salon? No, no. It's Frank's hair, and then store is written in very small letters right afterwards, and we insist that that's, it's always eight-point font for store. That, that, that connects a few dots for me because I was really confused on whether to call it salon or something else. Store no, it's, a, it's, it's a hair store. It's, it's Frank's hair store and Frank Scalise. Got it. So let's, let's talk about some facts here. What are some of the products that you sell at your store, Frank? Sure. Well, especially for anyone who's had the fire treatment, we have a number of soothing scalp balms and uh, burn salves and other sorts of creams and ointments that we make available. Um, and you can purchase those on a subscription basis, or you can get those uh, one out on a, you know, just like, I just want this one thing, you just have to pay a membership fee, uh, and that just has to renew three times, and then you can cancel that, and then you can just pay for what you want. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I bought a product that is, I think it's some kind of wax, like liquidy wax that I rub on the top of my, <coughs> ah, sorry, bald head. And yeah. it just gives me, it's like a mix between coffee and narcotics. Yeah. What's in that? Yeah, that's a proprietary mix. You're talking about the, uh, the soothing balm ointment salve, uh, which is Frank's own uh, formula. And I, I can't share it with you. I can tell you a little bit about how I came across the formula. If that's Is that something you're interested in, in I, knowing about? In terms of reporting the fact, I would like to know two facts. Fact number one, as many ingredients in that bomb that you can share. And fact number two, yeah, how you came to discover that. Okay, well, I'm going to take your second question first then because I'm not going to answer your first question. Uh, but I – so there was a period that, you know, I mentioned my start – that I was just a, a fiend for hair. I was a hair fanatic uh, because of my mother's wig collection and because of the great success that I was seeing on the middle school hair circuit. And you know what I did was I skipped high school. I didn't go to high school. I didn't finish eighth grade uh, because the truth is, you know, if they're not teaching you anything about hair. Uh, then they're not teaching you anything for which I should care. That's what I like to say. And so I, what, I, what I did was instead of going to high school, I went on a 37-nation tour to all of the traditional indigenous hair cuttery uh, shamans that I could locate. I was a part of a very elite network of, of hair, people who are committed to the traditional ways of hair. I don't know if you know that uh, it's only in the last hundred years that many of our notions about how to cut hair and what grooming is and, you know, all of these crazy ideas about you know, germs you can't see causing disease and all this nonsense that they're trying to shove down our throats. You know, the truth is uh, there's, a, there's an indigenous a chain of, of hair knowledge that goes back generations and I went around a 37 nation tour I started in Belize on a nut farm and there was an old shaman there hair shaman and you know what we did was we took some ayahuasca uh, which is a very intense hallucinogen and I was very sick I was only 13 years old they probably shouldn't have given me an adult dose but I was very sick for like a week I almost died and then I had this vision 
I had this, you know, do you know that blue stuff that they put the combs in? Did you know that that's mind-controlled juice? Did you know that? Did you know that they're controlling everybody's mind through the neurochemistry of that blue fluid that they dip the combs in? Did you know that that's a huge conspiracy? Well, I found that out. I had a, a guide uh, who was basically like an incarnate uh, cold, like a bad cold, only it was like a thing, you know, an entity, and this bad cold would like lead me around from one room to another, and I was going through these rooms, and I would see all these people in those rooms, and they would have all sorts of different uh, ideas and dances they were doing, and they would run around, and then they would go to this big blue pool in the center of the room, and they all gathered around this pool, and they were dancing around, and they were chanting, and then I was standing on the side, and my guide, who was a really bad cold incarnate kept sneezing on me which of course i mean i guess that makes sense right but at the time it just felt like a little inconvenient and i was really sick and i had no idea what was going on but all i knew was then this blue fluid jumped out of the pool and surrounded all these people who've been running around and doing the dances and i looked at them and they were in this cocoon of blueness and i understood that this was a conspiracy to control mankind and that we needed to move back to the traditional ways of cutting hair and that's when i truly began my journey that is a powerful story, um, especially how you discovered your life's purpose, your mission here on this blue little planet we call Earth, that your discovery of the power of hair through, through hair shamans is remarkable and inspiring. How do you infiltrate that into your day-to-day? Um, yeah, that's, uh, well, first of all, part of it is the healing balm that you mentioned. It's uh, an essential part. Everyone who comes in, who gets a hair singe, or who gets a hair shave, or who gets a hair uh, slit, will receive this balm. And like you say, you apply it to the skin right on the top of your head, and we leave a little divot for everybody so they can do this properly. And what it does, it does a few things. First of all, it moisturizes, because people don't understand that we are 70% water, just like Mother Earth, right? And every time you cut a hair, you're taking moisture away uh, from the scalp, and the scalp is the entryway to the brain, and the brain is the entryway to the feelings, and the feelings are the entryway to the moisture. So what you do is you put the balm in the divot, and then it makes a moisturizing connection with the skin cells on the top of your head. And then that moisture connects to the cells that are inside the skull and it goes through to the brain and then you get moisture in your brain. And that's the most important part of it. So that's one piece. And then you've got the uh, dulling effect because lots of people who come through, especially the fire treatment, they complain of pain. And I really don't like listening to people complain, especially after I've been through everything I've been through. You can understand. So what I do is I include a very heavy narcotic. I can't tell you which one, but I can say that it is very, it's a very small amount of this narcotic because much more of it would probably render you paralyzed. And so there's a little bit of narcotic in there that can get in transdermally. And as you've got the moisture coming into your brain, then you've got this uh, salve that is helping to numb the skin and ease the burning and all the pain that people are complaining about. And then the most important part of this balm is there's a, a number of kinds of ash from burned um, basically buildings, not full buildings, but the contents of buildings. And then we'll use that ash to 
to peter out all of the uh, different fumes that are being released after the treatment because we've got all these modern uh, fumes that are going around our body just underneath the skin. Uh, they're, they're pushing and pulling us. And so what this does is it meters all that out, sort of like a charcoal filter, uh, and that calms the whole thing. You're, not, you're no longer being pulled here and there. Do you understand? You're not being pulled. Interesting. And how does how do you feel that that type of treatment is comprehensive enough to transform how Western culture views, feels, and experiences their hair lifestyle? Yeah. Well, the first thing to know is that hair is not a lifestyle. Lifestyle is hair. Okay, that's the most important thing to understand. And I can, I, there's almost no one who comes into my hair store the first time and understands that. So that's why we have the lecture room. Now, you didn't go into the lecture room because you were already panicking. And we usually save the panicking for after the lecture. So you didn't have that experience. And that's why I'm also really glad we're connecting today so that we can be sure you make an appointment to come back in to get the full experience. Because without the lecture, it's really hard to understand how important your hair is to you and your life energy. So uh, basically there's a lecture so that we can do some indoctrinating and that's where a lot of the shouting happens. And then you have the, the treatment uh, period. Now and it depends on whether you're in full panic mode like you were in, then we apply uh, an anesthetic so that no one gets hurt. Uh, and if you're a little bit calmer, then we just uh, we apply what we call percussive uh, uh, percussive uh, dormutation. Uh, this is a this is a, a practice that I learned in Iceland. I was out three hours outside of Reykjavik at a traditional uh, hair. Well, they, what they do is they have like a, a, a ceremony where they invite the gnomes. They believe that these gnomes live in the hinterland and below the hills and in the hot springs that are there. And they believe that these gnomes or uh, Kleinemenschen, they call them sometimes, the Kleinemenschen will come and they will pick up all of the hair clippings uh, from from the hair shaman. I mean, they don't call them hair shamans. They call them Rektaharshnamorsh. And the Rektaharshnamorsh, they do the traditional hair cutting and then the little, the Kleinefolk, the Kleinemenschen come in and they take the hair cutters away. And so what I do is I, I was in Iceland, three hours outside of Reykjavik. I was at one of these ceremonies and the spirit of one of these client I mentioned came into my body. And that's when I understood that the people who aren't panicking, they need to be held by the hand and told this simple incantation, which then makes them completely pliable to us, if that, if that makes sense. Because you need full pliability in order to exercise all of the fumes and all of the other things that are pushing and pulling us throughout our day because that's what makes the hair grow. Do you understand? I understand, actually. And I have a follow-up question because your method, your philosophy, your thought process, and your big vision around hair is remarkable and cutting-edge and new. My question to you, Frank, owner of Frank's Hair Store, is this. What do you see? What would you say in terms... Because I know that you advise a lot of locals and let's say that you have a, I don't know, young mother of seven. Okay. Uh, yeah. hus husband's a religious leader in the community 
And mm-hmm. let's just say that she hasn't figured herself out, but she keeps popping out these kids. And she really wants more clarity in her existence mm-hmm. vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis beyond the mother role. What, yeah. How do you help her? Question mark. Yeah, no, this is very important. And young mothers are an important part of the hair shamanistic approach. We're not, you know, uh, it gets me in trouble sometimes. We're not PC here. We're talking about ancient knowledge, and they didn't know about PC back then. So the truth is that hair of a pregnant woman or a woman who's just given birth holds significant power, life force, right? You understand the way that hair is produced is that our body has within it every strand of hair that we will ever produce. And what happens is if you're a human being, you've been born and you have all the hair that you're ever going to grow already inside your body. That's the way that hair usually works, except in the case where a woman becomes pregnant, because then she inherently has the hair of the entire lifetime of her child inside her body as well. And you can see the difference in the hair that's growing. This is why whenever I have a pregnant woman or a mother who's just given birth, I keep her in the store as long as possible. You have to make up excuses to keep them in there where they're sitting, because a lot of times they want to get up and leave. Uh, but you just have to keep making excuses and keep them in that in the store as long as possible so that all of that life force can enter the store and can cancel out all of that blue disinfectant because we, we still have to have the disinfectant. Um, even though it's a mind control device. So we still have to have it there. That's why I like to have the uh, new mothers come in and I have their life force uh, cancel out the mind control that's happening with the blue liquid. This is very advanced. I can't wait for all of our listeners to get, you know, spread this and share it. In fact, Frank, I'm checking out some of the uh, Twitter feed from our live feed, and there's a lot of questions coming in for you right now. This is um, great. I got to tell you, wait, wait, Mike, this is so much fun because, you know, I've, I've had these ideas for a long time, and I went on this journey to figure all this out, and I have this establishment, and mostly I'm just kind of living paycheck to paycheck, you know, and nobody really knows about my, my theories, and these are really important theories that I want to share with the world, and so I'm really thankful that you're giving me this platform because I really think people need to understand that hair is not just a fashion uh, icon and hair is not just something you put on to show off. You know, hair, it goes to the core of who we are and touches the very tips of our toes. A hundred percent. And you know, one of the things I noticed in your store, aside from the raving fan base, uh, the dirty floors and just the sort of sketchy ingredients and everything, at least from my initial perspective, now I understand the enlightened, uh, movement that you're, that you're running here. Um, I want to make sure that you really take, take your mission of, uh, hair, hair as it is to really empower people um, to the next level. So we have one of the largest audiences um, on Planet okay. Podcast um, okay. who are listening to us. And right now on our live Twitter feed, we're getting a lot of questions for you. Right now, I'm getting one from um, Steve Alexandria. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is. Looks like he's mm-hmm. also from Russia. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he wants to know how can he improve his life um, just by getting a different haircut. He says he still uses the mushroom cut from the 90s and wants your advice on how to help him. He says yeah, he's big, an accountant. Big, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. So first of all, the mushroom cut from the 90s, I want to get to the bottom of this. This had everything to do with the Clintons, okay? Bill and Hillary Clinton 
and all the crazy stuff that was going on in MENA, Arkansas in the 1980s. And after that, they come to power, and all of a sudden you see this mushroom cut everywhere. You see it on kids on TV, you see it on people at the mall, people on the bus, people at the store. Everybody's got this mushroom cut. And did anybody stop for a second and wonder, where does this cut come from? Hmm. Did anybody question for a second the Clintons? Watch Clinton Cash. Uh, you know, it's a, it, you'll get a real sense of how what's going on here, and that hair was just a part of that plan. So that's number one. And number two is you see the the internationalization uh, here of of people worrying about their hair, and you see what's going on. That this is all a part of the plan to get you worried. No, this is what I'm saying. This is why I said that hair is not a lifestyle. Lifestyle is hair because people think they need to cut their hair a certain way and that's going to make them look good and then that's going to make them feel good. But the truth is that's not what's, that's not what, how it works. How it works is you expose your hair, you use the hair to re reveal the presence of who you are and then that makes you happy. And it's not about how your hair looks. It's about getting Getting the right angles on the sides, and it's about that divot right on the top, and it's about applying the balm, and it's about living the life of someone who knows that they're ecstatic about their hair, that their hair is inside them, and that their hair is special for life force. So now that's the thing uh, Steve, uh, the, the Steve guy needs to understand in Russia is that if he's going to a Russian barber and he's getting a haircut from the 1990s in the United States, he is living in mind control from the Clinton administration and he needs to free himself from that. And what he needs to do is he needs to go out into the woods. He needs to go far, far away from people. He needs to spread ointment and balm all over his hair. He needs to shove that hair into the dirt. He needs to connect with the dirt. He needs to roll around around and cry and find his place where he's rolling around and pushing his tears into his hair as well. And then he can jump into a lake and in the lake be purified. And then he will reveal his true hair. And that's the, you can either do that by yourself or you can come to my hair store and we can replicate that experience for you. And we use fire to do it. Really, really interesting answer. I'm getting it. Can I ask you another question? I'm going to throw this out. This is from um, Josiah or Josiah Cafiero. He's the co-host of Passion Fruit. And he actually just messaged us independently. And he wants to know how you, what your view is on decentralized hair. Yeah, decentralized hair is the only way to go. So this is this is the most important thing is to know that hair comes from inside yourself and that hair is utterly decentralized. It operates in cells. Okay, no one cell knows what the other cell is doing. And that is how they maintain what they're and I, you see this breakdown with people who are balding, right? Because there you have a situation where you have a central hierarchy and someone breaks and gives up the guy ahead of them and they can close down the whole operation. But that's not the way healthy hair works works. Healthy hair works in cells, just like terrorists. Solid point. Now, here's another question for you. <clears throat> it's really interesting, at least from my perspective, getting a big scope on the trends, the fashion trends, mm -hmm. the hairstyles mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. across all nations. As a reporter, yeah. I travel a lot. I get to meet a lot of dignitaries, a lot of politicians, fellow reporters, entrepreneurs, you name it. And one of the things that's been really noticeable to me, especially in the political conferences that I attend, is the very common fashion that specific countries have around hair. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on the future of hairstyle vis-a-vis -vis nationalities, vis-a-vis -vis psychedelics.
Right. Well, so first of all, as you know, I am an advocate for the international hair. And that was something we spent a lot of time talking about after you came to in the chair and we had those restraints on you, is I was trying to convince you that hair was not a national exercise and in fact crosses borders and even predates the idea of borders. Hair goes back to the beginning and it's inside each and every one of us. Mm, I love that. And in terms of your perspective on religion, um, mm -hmm. what's, your, what's, your, what's your connection with religion and hair? Uh, well, I spent a little bit of time in a monastery uh, in France, and it's a part of my studies, my 37-country tour. Um, and in France, well, so the reason why I hooked up with this order was because they wore hair shirts. You were aware of a hair shirt? Not yet. Okay, well, so what they do is they take hair, and these, guys, these monks, they, um, they cut the hair of the nuns in their order for free. And they cut, the, they cut it for free, and they gather it up, and they take all the hair, and then they weave it into shirts, and they wear these shirts underneath the priestly garb, and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, and they do that because they believe that the Lord wants them to be very uncomfortable. So that's my connection with religion. Uh, it mostly made me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And how about basketball players? There's definitely a theme of a cross between the bald head and just the wild hair. What's your advice to a typical basketball player to optimize his game with the haircut from Frank's hair store? Yeah, well, we have several basketball players uh, who come by, none of them professional, but several of the local uh, youth do uh, play basketball and other kinds of games outside my store. Uh, and so some of them will come in and they'll demand, you know, <laughs> they demand all sorts of big kids today. You know, give us your money and <laughs> give us money to protect you. It would be a real shame if something happened to your hair store, that kind of thing. So I do work with them uh, and I help them. Basketball is a physical pursuit, right? So if you're looking to cultivate explosive energy in your muscle tone, then that's something you're going to want to reflect in the way that you're carving out your, your headscape, right? So when you go to the hair store, you're going to want to say, hi, I'd like to purchase uh, a hairscape that works well for athletic pursuits and explosive muscle reaction, right? Uh, and that's when, so we don't, also in those cases, you don't get the indoctrination session, we go straight to the anesthetic. Um, because it takes a long time to do the explosive muscle treatment. Uh, and so we put you under and we bring you into the back. And then Carla, who is our, uh, our muscle expert, Carla will go in and she starts massaging every follicle that is uh, sat atop a muscle, right? So if you've got hair follicles on your calves, she goes through and individually stimulates each hair follicle on each part of the muscle. And we have a very complex chart so that she goes directly in the order it's supposed to go in. And if things aren't matching up, then we, we can insert the follicles we need to insert. And that's also another reason why we put people under and then we apply the balm the healing salve, my patented Frank's hair shop, uh, hair store healing salve. Uh, and so what we do is we cover your body in that completely. Um, and what we have to actually flush the anesthetic out of your system within three minutes of applying the balm because otherwise they react really badly together. So what we do is we do a system flush 
and then we've got you there and then all of your muscles are being stimulated and also your you've got the the pot ash that is helping to even out the vapors and the fuel and then your fuel and then your fumes your fuel becomes the fumes that are then excised and when these young black young urban uh, youths will come out of their stupor then I kind of stand over them, right? Because it's, it's really my only moment of dominance um, to express with them. So I sort of stand over them really maniacally, uh, but that helps with the grogginess and really helps get them, you know, back, back to real, snaps them back. Uh, and, and I sort of stare over them, you know, it'd be a real shame if something happened to that haircut. And then they go, and I do that for free for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that, that's really special. And, you know, I, I found you because I happen to find myself as I was looking for my estranged cousin who mm. had been reaching out to me on social media um, in Orchard Homes, Montana. And that's where you're located. Yeah, and Orchard I, Homes. Yeah. Who, who's your cousin? I'm still trying to figure that out. He goes by a different number of different aliases, um, as I'm sure you're familiar with when I told you um, in my heightened state while I was getting my hair cut. Um, just, you know, how I grew up in the woods and I was isolated for a period of years. Um, I didn't really know, uh, who my family was, who my parents were. I was raised by a number of, uh, strangers, um, you know, just east of Orchard Homes, Montana. You didn't tell me any of that. No, you didn't say any of that. It's funny. My, my mind was telling me that it did, but you know, I, I can never really fully trust what goes on over there. Okay. Um, but in any case, I'm curious, how did you land specifically on Orchard Homes, Montana for, to build the foundation of your hair empire? Sure. Uh, the answer will not surprise you. I let hair lead the way. So I was in my 20s. Now, from the age of 13 until the age of 26, I was completing my tour and my education in hair and in ancient hair, hairistic ways. And so uh, when I was 26, it was time to return to the United States. And it had been a very long time since I was gone. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't, didn't really know exactly what to do, where to go. My family, it, there was a lot of bad blood from when I left because, you know, they were like, you have to go to school. <laughs> All those, you know, I, I, they didn't know, they didn't know hair. They didn't know what they were talking about. So, uh, you know, I was coming back. I couldn't go home couldn't go back to my parents, I had nowhere to go, and I let hair lead the way. So I landed at JFK in New York, and the first thing I did was I looked for a cab driver with the most naturally hairistic hair that I could find. Hairism is sort of an offshoot of hair shamanism, and hairistic hair is hair that reflects the genuine uh, um, hairiness of the person's inside like inside their body, right? So I can I've been trained and attuned to 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 be sensitive to heuristic movements and to be um, to be sensitive to people's hairism and if they're heuristic or if they're heresites. Okay, so then so I so there was this heresitic woman and I saw her and she happened to be a cab driver and I hopped into her cab and she took me to guess what? A hair store. They call it a salon. So I go in and I'm like, hey, 
I'm, I'm just back from this big journey and I was pouring out all of their blue, uh, you know, chemicals and they were shouting at me and they, you know, it was just a very traumatic thing. And so I, they kicked me out literally with a boot. They kicked me out of the door and I knew that wasn't real hair. That was some kind of satanic anti-hair place. There was no hairism involved in that. And that's part of why they call it a salon. I don't know if you know, but that's French. Uh, for a sham, for like a lie, that's that's what that word means. So it's like a hair lie. That's what they're saying when they say a hair salon. So anyway, I learned that that day. It was a big lesson to me. And I'm in New York, and I'm like, I don't know where to go. And I'm walking down the street, and I see this billboard. And this billboard has a giant. It's it's a picture of a vista with a big sky, and it's got a goat, and it's got a little baby goat under it, and it said, "Visit Montana." And I knew, because of the hair on that goat, I knew that's where I needed to go. So I turned right around. I went back to JFK. I bought a ticket at the counter. Apparently, that's a big deal these days. Last time I was in America, it wasn't that big a deal. You could just walk right through and buy a ticket. You buy a ticket on the plane. You just walk onto the plane and buy a ticket right there. It was no big deal. But apparently, things have changed. Uh, This was after... uh, September 11th when I was back and they, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't, they was all, the police came, it was big deal. I just want to go to Montana, I just want to go to Montana, I just want to go to Montana. I arrived in Montana, I was in Bozeman, Montana, and I'm in this bar and all the guys there had the same hair cut and it was clear that they had, they were all living a hair lie and I, and I was looking around and I said, this is the place that needs me the most. This is the place. All these men walking around and they've got this idea of who they are and they're walking around with these haircuts and those haircuts are hair lies. And so what I did was I started my ministry of truth and I was in Bozeman and people got really upset at me because I was, I was walking through town and I was leaving hair everywhere and I was, and I, anything that was blue and it was really not even just the stuff that disinfectants they were putting the combs in, but also any kind of Windex or any kind of Gatorade that was a blue color or any kind of blue liquid at all. I was, I was definitely trying to like break or steal or get out of the public. So, the, you know, I kind of had to mellow out with that. So they ran me out of town and that's when I found uh, was Sunny Orchard, uh, Orchard, Orchard Gables, uh, and that's you know in the vicinity of the area where we ended up settling in the first place. And so we went around and we did. That's when I I keep back. First of all, the state, the Montana State Board. If I want to keep my license as as a as a hair cuttery, I have to have that blue stuff on uh, on site anyway. And so I sort of just kind of gave up the ghost, but I, but that's what the indoctrination session is for, so everybody knows. Mm. Speaking of blue, one of the big services that a lot of people are interested in uh, is the coloring. And tell us a little bit about, like, in terms of, you know, the area highlights. Let's say you want to give a little bit of blue-green, maybe a blue-red, or maybe just a straight-up red. Uh, in terms of the coloring on the hair, like, how many foils do you use per area? So, yeah, like, we, don't, we don't use any foil. We, the only foil we use is after the fire treatment. We will apply foil. It's not really foil. It's one of these like burn victim blanket things that like you have an emergency patch. We apply that to the head after we apply the, the salving bomb. Hmm. And how Does that do make you, sense? It, it definitely makes sense in terms of how I perceive logic. What is your take on the movie the Broadway success of the movie, the film, the play, whatever, Hair. And do you think that that 
has a good name for hair or yeah. a bad name for hair? Oh, a great name for hair. So, you know, the guys who, the guys who wrote hair actually were, um, they both graduated from the same nut farm in Belize that I started my journey on and had that ayahuasca trip. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Now that was 1968 theory. So it was a really different kind of time back then. And that's the thing about hair is that hair is always a product of its time because it, of the way that it comes out of our skin holes. So I, what I, what I, what I do is I listen to that, to that musical, uh, and I only I listen to the cast recording. I don't. I've never actually seen the play. Um, I, I don't know what they do in it, but I know all the songs. I really like the songs. Mm-hmm. And who's your biggest competition there in uh, Orchard Hills, Orchard Homes, Montana? Yeah, it's uh, Satan. You know, it's definitely the devil. Uh, he's he's got more and more recruits every day. It's kind of a losing battle. But what are you going to do? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know what it's time for. I think now I do have some follow up questions, um, mm-hmm. but right now I think we're about to enter the fire, the rapid fire question. This is great. Right? Will you do a fire treatment too? Well, well how, so we, re- how do we do this over the internet? How do you get the flames to the computer? Uh, we're actually not on the internet. Um, we're on a podcast. Um, what we are going to do right now is do some rapid fire questions. This is what the audience really looks forward to to better know what you're about and what you do. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, let's hit it up then, starting with the first question, which is your favorite shampoo? My favorite shampoo? Well, you know, Prell is very uh, stiff, but, but any of the Pantene's, they're a little too watery. What I like to do is I take one part of Prell, one part of xanthan gum, one part of Hellman's mayonnaise because it's got those eggs, the egg whites and the oils. And then I take my, my healing balm and then I put them all together and I cook it in a slow cooker for about three weeks on the very lowest setting. Now you have to open the top to let the gases out every once in a while. And I would recommend burning them off, but you don't have to if you open a window and wear a gas mask when you're doing it. So one, one way or the other. And then after three weeks, you pour that into a shampoo bottle, just like any old shampoo bottle. But what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to strain it from all of the charcoal and potash that's in the balm because that can clog up the nozzle. You don't want to clog nozzle. That's just not fun for anybody. Mm -hmm. Favorite movie that has to do with hair? Yeah. uh, My favorite movie that has to do with hair is probably regarding Henry. You know that one with um, uh, Harrison Ford and he's kind of a shitty husband, but then he goes to buy a pack of cigarettes and he gets shot in the head. I wouldn't know. You know. I don't watch movies. Okay. It's Harrison Ford. Uh, I actually, come to think of it, I don't think there's anything to do with hair in it, but it's, uh, it's a good movie. Makes you think. Favorite cereal? My favorite cereal is probably Honey Smacks. Uh, it was Honey Smacks, but really, you know, they had the, the, the Teddy Grahams cereal. But I actually like the Teddy Graham cookies, and you put them in a bowl like it's cereal, and you pour milk in, and then you have milk and cookies for breakfast. One secret that you've never shared with anyone. Mm. Mm. You could be honest. Mm. 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 
I'll ask another question. You can you can chew on that as you seem to be brushing mm. it away. Mm. The next question is your favorite secret indulgent. Mm. Mm. So what I do is, you know, this is actually I've never told anybody this either. So I guess I'll answer two questions in one. So that when if you take the potash out of my healing balm salve, if you take that potash out. Now, only take, you have to put it in a, in, a, in a centrifuge, right? So what I do is I take the balm after it's already been made, I've been using it, I've been putting it on people, wiping it off and reusing it. I put it into a big test tube, one of those big test tubes. And then I, what I do is I put in a little bit of water and I put in a little bit of scotch whiskey and I put in a little bit of a cider, like an apple cider, but not, not alcoholic cider. Because you've already got alcohol and you don't want to dry out the potash. And what you do is you put in the old, you know, like cider, you get it like an orchard, like when you're a kid and you're picking apples and you pour in the cider and you pour it all into the test tube and then you put it in a centrifuge. And centrifuge is something that's going to spin it around super fast and it spins it so fast all the potash settles to the bottom. Then what you're left with is this pure opiate. Uh, you know, it's like really, really pure and so what I do is then I take that, I distill it down, and then I cut it with like uh, anything white. You can cut it with anything white, uh, you know, some flour, baking soda. You can cut it with, with you know talcum powder. That although that gets a little, some people are allergic, so if they're putting it in their nose, then it's going to get a little tough. But if they're shooting it in their veins, it doesn't matter at all. And then what I do is I put that, I put it in small little baggies, and then I have Carla our muscle girl, I have her go around to all those basketball players that are hanging out outside, those black kids, and I tell her, they want, they want protection from me, you know, that they're going to have to go move some product, and then they go and they sell that stuff, and I can actually get a huge return. I mean, I, you know, when it's in the balm form, you know, what are people paying? A hundred, hundred and twenty dollars, you know? But when when we're selling it cut with all that useless white stuff, they think it's something really great. And then we get, I don't know, seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars back on something we spend a hundred bucks on. So that's my guilt my guilty little secret and uh, and it's also a self I I have never admitted, but yeah, we've got a heroin smuggling ring going on with those black kids out front. Hmm. If you could be reincarnated back mm -hmm. to any person point in history who is your most desired reincarnation avatar mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know i think it would be uh, uh his name was barnea benavino barnea benavino and he's not well known i learned about him he's the patron saint of hair cutting and hair styling and hair and hair chagrin, which is the feeling you get after a bad haircut. So he's he's the patron saint of all those things. And and uh, what he he actually was the very first person to cut hair. It's in it's not in the Bible. It's been cut out of the Bible. But in the order that I lived with in France, they had these other books. They called them the hair books. And these books came from the very beginning. Enoch and all of those things and in that book we learned about Barnea and Barnea was the first barber and that's where they get the bar and barber and that's why they say bar bar 
because he was the Barnea, and they call him Barbar, Barbar, bar, hey Barbar, hey Barbar, hey Barbar, 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 and he just turned into Barber. And so that's, I would be, I want to be Barnea. What's your number three tip for a better marriage? Number three tip, well, so my wife and I, I, you know, thank you finally for asking, by the way. Yes, I'm married. Um, we have a lovely life together. She's also passionately committed to hair and heresy, and she is a heresite, uh, and we've been heresitic together uh, for at least, I'd say, at least four years now, but we've been married for three and a half if that makes sense. And so um, what she does is she gets up really early in the morning and she makes a lot of noise up in the attic. And what I do is I don't ask what she's doing. I, you know, I just don't ask. I'm curious. Of course I'm curious, but I don't ask. So that would be the third thing. And, you know, the first thing if you're married is, is to just go along with whatever she wants. That's the thing. That's the first thing. The second thing is to not be, um, you know, to be able to earn money so you can give her money. And then the third thing is don't ask what she's doing in the, in the attic early in the morning, all that noise. Just don't ask. What's your advice? There are some local librarians um, from Orchard Homes, Montana, who are writing in right now, uh, especially in our Facebook feed. Um, Louis, uh, Louisa, I guess, Louisa. Yeah, Louisa is a librarian. And mm. she wants to know what your tip is for a second grade teacher who is, believe it or not, having difficulty controlling the children, of which mm. they number about 57 in her classroom. Yeah. So what's your advice? Because uh, you're well, known. Yeah, that's really, a problem you know, here. My, yeah. my, my wife and I are not having children. Um, that's all. another reason why I like to keep these the birthing women around. It helps us even out all of those pushings that she's got, uh, and that we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give any, we're going to give short shrift to not long shrift. And, uh, and so what, what, uh, what I like to say is, you know, I wouldn't, uh, recommend that people have children at all. I think that's a terrible idea. You know, that's what I would say. Hmm. And what is the future of smart hair in your eyes? Smart hair must be defeated. This is the problem. We don't need smart hair. We need passionate hair. We need hair that comes from the inside. We need to scoop out a divot in the middle of the hair. We need to run around. We need to shout and get exercise. We need to stimulate our muscles. And those are the things we need. We don't need some, you know, brainiac chip from Harvard telling us what time it is to get our hair cut and what kind of mind control cut we should get because our minds are not controlled by our hair. Our hair controls our minds. All right. I'm going to finish this off to, because I think we're wrapping up right now and where can listeners first and foremost find out about your newest book? That was one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to have you on the show. I wanted people first to go to your store. By the way, I'll just give a quick address. That's 3111 West Main Street in Missoula, Montana, 59802. Uh, go to Frank's Hair Store. Um, but I also want to tell them about your upcoming book launch. Tell us a little bit about what inspired the book, what's it called, and why now? Yeah, so the book, uh, it's been a very exciting project. And this is the official, this is my first uh, event promoting the book. Uh, I think it's going to make a big difference, and it's called 
blue water, watch out for sharks. And it gets my, it's my magnum opus to make an argument against any blue liquid because blue liquid comes directly from the cabal and it is there only to control society. This gets into vaccines, this gets into fluoride and to chlorine in the water, swimming pools, Gatorade, like I said earlier, uh, and any kind of, so basically what we're doing, we're laying it out. First we're laying out the color blue and the significance of the color blue, and why the color blue is something we really need to be afraid of at every turn, first of all. Second of all, it talks about the government control of the chemical industry and the international uh, uh, efforts to use chemicals to change human society and to control people. And then it goes into implementation internationally, implementation in the United States, and then implementation in every state and county in the United States. And it's a 748-page book, and it comes, and it's meticulously researched, and it comes with uh, an, an appendix that is an, an additional 14,000 pages because it has every, uh, every municipality and UN committee uh, resolution on blue liquids and on semi-blue liquids and on blue evaporants and on their effect on the human population. So it's called Blue Water, Sharks, sharks Ahead, and it's going to tell you how to stay safe, how to stay, stay away from all blue liquids and liquid-like uh, structures and semi-blue liquids, and it's going to help you uh, capture the new spirit of hair that's coming post this this germ theory lunacy that keeps us in a blue liquid prison. Hmm. And your first big book launch is going to be at this coming Friday from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. at the Missoula Public Library. That's uh, right. Actually, it is Entangle Drawing Workshop. Um, I'll just tell you what, I, what, I, what my team sent me. I'm assuming this is correct is that learn the process of Zentagle drawing during this workshop. Supplies are provided. This class meets in the Missoula Public Library's large meeting room um, and then come to meet the new author of Blue Water, Frank. Yeah, yeah, Frank Scalise. I'm Frank Scalise. Frank Scalise. How do you spell Scalise for everyone? Let, let's give some real legitimate, specific ways for our audience to find more out about Frank's yeah. Tell. Yeah. Well, Kyle, you're gonna come. Kyle, you, what, what you want to do is you're gonna want to come to Montana, and you're gonna want to buy my book. It's it's at we're selling it from the library, so that's why our event is there. So you got to come to and it's it's Missoula. You're right to say my address is in Missoula, and this is at the Missoula Public Library because the Orchard Farms is right outside. And although I identify as Orchard Farms, according to the municipality, we're technically in Missoula, and so we're paying Missoula taxes, and we're, we're, we're having the event, and we're selling the book at the Missoula Public Library. Now, I know that they have a website, but I don't know what that website is because I don't go online very often, but I, but I also know that you can come. What you want to do is you want to fly to Bozeman, and then you get on a bus, and then you can go to the public library and purchase the book there. And then while you're in town, you can come by for a singe or a slit. And we're going to take care of, we're going to take real good care of you. Uh, and mention, if you say, if you mention that you heard me on the Mike O'Reilly show, then you get your indoctrination session 
for free. Wow. So how much are people saving? You are saving $38.75 and then the, 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 what usually the package is $500 and then we give a discount on top of that. But what we're doing, we don't give the discount when we do it this way, but we do not charge you for the first part. So it ends up only being 600 bucks. Frank, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and best of luck to you to your book launch and changing the world of hair. Yeah, that's uh, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Stay away from blue liquids and uh, you know, uh, always remember your hair. All right, hashtag see you at the library. Bye bye, Mike. Fact checkers of the world unite. Thank you for listening to today's report. It means the world to me and my struggling team. I mean, damn, I mean, we're trying, okay? And your help is what makes this possible. Look, if you believe in reporting as much as I believe in fact-checking, go ahead and five-star this juice on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere on the internet you can possibly five-star anything. Spread the truth and share this episode with your parents or legal guardians right now. Bye.